Good evening and happy Women's History Month to our neighbors and listeners. Coming to you live from the 215 here in Germantown, you are listening to the award-winning InfoHub Hour with Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom Join. I'm Maleka Fruin. I live here in Germantown with my family. Germantown InfoHub Radio Hour is all about news and engagement in Germantown. You can check out what's going on by visiting our website at germantowninfohub.org. Now let's start our show. Today, we have a few segments planned for folks. First, I'll be in conversation with representatives from the Philly Rent Control Coalition about information surrounding housing, displacement, and ways their organization is actively fighting to seek real change for renters in the Philadelphia region and beyond. And then listeners will hear me interview Tamara Sankara Kilambo, who is looking for neighbor support to secure a physical location for her business, Black Soul Vintage. And after that, I will give a brief reporter roundup of things happening in the neighborhood that people may want to check out or look more into. That's right, folks. We have a full show today and we're excited to get into it. So without further ado, let's get started first with Karen Harvey and Michelle Crouch from the Philly Rent Control Coalition. Let's roll the tape. Michelle Crouch and Karen Harvey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. So tell us a little bit about the Philly Rent Control Coalition. How did it start? How, how did it um, get going? Okay, I'll give you just a little bit of history. I believe that the Philadelphia Tennis Union started in 2016. Okay. Okay. In 2017, um, a group of de- out-of-town developers came to Philadelphia and purchased the building that I lived in at the time. It was the Penguin House. They purchased the building, promised to do renovations, that no one would be displaced, and then handed out 30-day eviction notices, a mass eviction for a 200-unit building. The Philadelphia Tenants Union and Community Legal Service had been working on the beginnings of a good cause eviction bill, found out about um, the eviction that was being planned and came to the Penguin, met with the tenants and some of us joined the tenants union. That was the beginning of about a two year campaign um, where Community Legal Service, One Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia Tenants Union got together um, to begin a good cause campaign, a good cause eviction campaign. And 2019, on the same day that the mayor signed the bill, the coalition was formed. The Rent Control Coalition was mm, okay. It was an idea that we had um, that came into fruition. After that, pretty much what we discovered was, as we went back and listened to um, recordings and went over testimonies of people who had testified on behalf of Good Cause. Mm-hmm. Um, had about 50 testimonies that we reviewed and um, we came to realize that really the first good cause bill had been so badly gutted that it didn't address the needs of the tenants most in need of protection. Um, 
and primarily tenants of color, single parents, um, folks who work minimum wage jobs. Along with that, we discovered that the gentrification was now moving in warp speed. They were taking over, um, builders were buying homes and um, buildings in the urban areas, specifically West Philly, Germantown, mm. some Winfield, um, South Philadelphia, and Fishtown. And buying out the property owners, redoing the property, doing your know, aesthetic repairs and making them look all pretty. And um, the people who had lived in those buildings were not able to move back in because the cost was so high, which brought up the property values in other areas of the city. So we had a series of meetings with um, who was then uh, a freshman city council member, Kendra Brooks. And on the day before she was going to announce a press conference, in a press conference, her support for rent control, the city was shut down in the pandemic. Mm, uh, wow. Beyond that, the coalition, you know, along with everyone else, we figured out how to have Zoom meetings and continue to work. And what we've done is put together a good, um, second good cause bill, we call it good cause 2.0, which looks at reasons for eviction. Um, and also uh, more importantly, tries to build in more protections for tenants in the city. Um, we had a promise from Council Member Jones that he would present the bill in city council for us. And I'm probably going to be sorry that I told that truth, but that's okay. Um, okay. And we agreed, you know, we would wait until he finished a bill that he was working on. I believe he was working on a crime bill. And when the bill was finished and we were ready to meet, he and some members of the housing committee met with us twice and then cut us off. There, the bill does offer protections to tenants, but the, the one piece of the bill that seemed to be the one that I guess broke the straw that broke the camel's back was that we're asking that if a landlord sells his, his or her property, that they help the tenant to be able to move by giving them some sort of financial support since in most cases you get 30 to 60 days notice to move, if right. you're already broke, there's no way that you can put together three months rent and um, pay for movers and pay your utility bills if you have to pay to get them cut on. They, members of, of that housing committee and HAPCO, which is the landlord's union, I don't know what else to call it other than landlord's union, cut us off cold. We have not been able to get another meeting with city council. So when was that Karen? That was, mm, that was just this past fall. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So now we're re regrouping and I'm going to hand it off to Michelle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just one thing I want to cut add is that sometimes people hear Philadelphia Rent Control Coalition and they say, well, what's good cause? I thought you said rent control. Like, how are they related? That's what um, I wanted to know. Good. <laughs> yeah, they're actually, they're very, they're very closely linked. Um, in some places when a rent control bill is passed, it will have good cause as a provision 
as part of a rent control law. Because really, when you think about the aim of preventing tenants from displacement, there's two main ways that that can happen um, that aren't due to like violating a lease or something, right? Um, we're talking about tenants in good standing. One is the landlord raises the rent and they have to move because the rent has gone up. The other is when the lease is up, the landlord says, I'm not renewing it. You can't stay here. You have to go. And that is another way that they can displace people. So sometimes if rent control is passed, they can't raise the rent, but they can just tell them that they aren't renewing the lease and they got to move. And so, you know, and then sometimes people, it actually can turn into a, an eviction if the person either, you know, refuses to move or if they just can't find the money to get a new place when their lease expires. And then, you know, they don't have anywhere to go and that can turn into an eviction also. So good cause and rent control are very, very closely linked when you're talking about preventing displacement. So the way I've kind of started thinking about it as, you know, we're really asking for like three major things, right? We want good cause, which means that your landlord cannot refuse to renew your lease unless if you're in good standing, unless they have some particular approved reason. Um, we want rent control, you know, we want a cap on how much you can raise the rent year to year. And we want relocation fees if a building is sold, if the landlord is making a huge financial windfall and forcing a tenant in good standing to move, then we think they owe the tenant um, some funds to help with their relocation. So the things that we're really asking for, um, the current bill that we're trying to get introduced has two of those three. And we want to use this movement and this time to really build power because the one about the one about not increasing rents is going to be the biggest, hardest fight. Um, a lot of people are going to fight tooth and nail. So we're really trying to um, get more people involved and build our power now. So that current bill, does that have the raising the rent one part? No. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. The bill started out to be a whole lot more than what it, what it became. The current bill, the one that's been on the book since 2018, is only valid for month-to-month -month leases, um, and that's for a lease that started out as month-to-month. -month. And um, it doesn't protect against those things like the landlord wanting to sell, landlord selling the building and being forced to move. Um, it doesn't make a landlord responsible for giving you a good cause reason um, to not to not renew your. I'm sorry, to not renew your lease. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then my other question is this, do you all know of um, organizers or in, in other in other cities that have done this already? Are there examples of this? There are, um, Michelle probably remembers the cities more than me. What I know is that each bill that we looked at looked good on the surface, but there were there were always loopholes that would allow um, a, a property owner or a landlord not to have to comply. I remember New Jersey, Oregon, um, 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 I don't remember anymore. How about you, Michelle? Um, yeah, there's a lot of different things out there. It's it's interesting because some places are working on a state level and some on a city level. Um, like I think in New York state, there are some reforms that were passed on a state level. Um, we also have been watching, there's a really great fight recently in uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis area. 
So we are trying to, you know, be in touch with organizers from other cities. And, you know, there was even an event recently that had some organizers from Berlin who have run some really amazing campaigns in Berlin. And yeah, just trying to learn from other people. But I think it's important, you know, relocation fees also have a precedent. There are several cities, um, Los Angeles, you know, is one of them that mm-hmm. have those sorts of provisions. So uh, yeah, t- we have a research and a legal team who really take a close eye to what legislation is getting passed in other places as well. This is so interesting. Um, a lot of the organizers that are trying to think about affordable housing in Germantown are really, there. Um, a few of them are doing a learning circle right now. And so they're really trying to see and uh, listen to and, and, and really hear examples of how organizing has already worked in various parts of the country and things like that. So this is really good to know. What are some of y'all's goals and vision right now as far as your organizing around rent control and things of that nature, like the good use that you were just talking about in Philly right now? Well, in terms of what we're doing to try to bring some um, strength to the Good Cause 2.0 campaign, we are now working on and trying to plan a rally where we can get folks to come out and have speakers. Um, Basically, I think that what we we may have to do ultimately is to force city council to talk with us and to listen with us. And, and the more people making the same noise, the better the attention you get. So if we can put together a, a rally sometime in the spring, May or June, when it gets warmer, and have people come out and listen to stories um, and have those folks who are in support of, of good cause legislation, that will make a difference. Um, everybody in city council is not against it. I can tell you that, um, Council members Brooks and Gautier have been very supportive, um, both of good cause and of rent control. Um, in the state, um, Nick Saval and Rick Kujewski are also in support of a good cause bill and, and rent control, as we've talked about it. Yeah, I think a lot of that vision, just like you were saying, Karen, does come down to people who will come out and tell their stories and share their experiences as tenants. Um, One thing we've been doing is some canvassing. We did a lot of canvassing this summer and just knocking doors and talking to people. And I think the vision is that, you know, we have enough people and enough voices together that, you know, it can't be ignored anymore and that, that we have to be heard. I think, I think sometimes the conversation around affordable housing uh, turns to conversations about development and fighting about whether or not things should be built. Um, But I think when you talk about something like rent control or good cause, these are policies that help every single tenant in the city as soon as they go into effect. Like that second, you have more rights. And that's something that waiting for building apartments that include a few affordable units, like it's never going to happen at that scale. This is a way to get 
all this more power. And so we have to show, show that power to get that power legally. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important that people understand that we are not supporting tenants who don't pay their rent, who misuse the property. Um, that we are not against landlords, we're just against landlords in unfair practices. And um, what you all both were saying with the, the, the hard push of, um, what were you saying, Michelle, about the, um, the hardest push is going to be about the, the certain, I'm sorry, now I don't remember, the, the third part of the plan? Yeah, the, the relocation fees. Relocation fees. How is, that, how is that going to, yeah, how are we going to push on that? I think part of it is just, you know, showing real cases where you can really see, you know, someone bought this property for $55,000, they're selling it for $200,000, displaced and doesn't get anything from it. So, but we have to make it, yeah, we have, it's, it's, it's always the hardest struggle of organizing, right, is when people who have had this experience are not the ones holding political power. How can you, how can you bring their experience? And I think part of it is that, you know, city council is divided up into districts. You know, we have our at-large people, but we also have districts. We know certain districts have extremely high eviction rates. And so taking folks who are the constituents of these city council members to meet with them and share their stories and really, um, you know, emphasizing that these are the people they're meant to represent mm-hmm. and we have to have to really bring to bear. And Karen, I thought it was interesting when you brought up the different neighborhoods and how they're all going through gentrification, rapid gentrification, and, and uh, all kind of experiencing some of those similar affordable housing issues. How do you feel like we can bring the neighborhoods together because neighborhoods of Philly do have different stories, you know? They do, Um, but I think eviction is a story that crosses the lines of every neighborhood. Um, Getting people to to understand that to come into a neighborhood and buy out the property, build it up, um, and then not not have the availability for people who lived in that community to live there anymore because they can't afford the rent, which in some, t- in some cases is double, even triple, um, is, it's an unfair practice. Right. And I mean, like, we, get the, we get the attraction. Um, Inner city urban areas have hospitals and churches and supermarkets and doctor's offices and all of those things which are now to folks who ran away from the city in the 80s and even some in part of the 70s, um, now suddenly that they have to drive an hour back and forth to work, the city's looking pretty attractive. Um, we can live here together, but it's not right that you, that you push people out of where they live. And, take away whatever their ability is to get to those resources. I live near 52nd and Chestnut, 
I can get to Center City in less than 15 minutes. Um, so this neighborhood has become more attractive to people who have the money to pay as the buildings are, um, are gentrified and it's pushing folks out who can't afford to pay. And that's the same in, in South Philly where homes that used to be $60,000, $70,000 are now $400,000 $500,000. You're displacing people, where are they to go? Yeah, and you're, it disrupts community networks and you know family networks and um, cultural networks that have grown over decades while the city was not investing and while these places were not considered attractive. Um, and then to then displace those people is just a huge injustice. I mean, you know, I, I first moved to Philly in 2007, which to some people, I'm still a very newcomer. And some people are like, oh, you've lived here a long time. But, you know, I think my moving to the city doesn't, I don't want that to cause displacement of anyone else. You know, I think cities do change over time, but what, what we can't let happen is that feeling of being forced to move mm -hmm. or landlord saying you don't have a choice in this or being forced out financially. You know, what both of you are saying is really just uh, very much what uh, neighbors were saying to us when we were having a virtual conversation just yesterday with Germantown community leaders saying very similar things to you, Karen, and very similar things to you, Michelle. So it's very, it's interesting. And it was a group of people who are born and raised in Germantown, multiple families and multiple family generations in Germantown and folks that have moved here in the last 10 years. So it's very, I'm hearing a lot of the same things from our neighbors. Do either of you have any last input, insight of, a vision for rent control and housing in Philly this year? Um, well, there, there's one good thing, well, several good things actually have happened. The one most recent is that the um, city has passed a right to council bill, which guarantees tenants, right now it's in two zip codes, 191, 21, and 39, because those are the two zip codes that have the most um, displaced people and also have the highest eviction record. Um, but it guarantees that folks who are sued for eviction in the city who live in those two zip codes will have the right to have an attorney with them in landlord-tenant court. Um, for anyone who hasn't been there, if you I would strongly suggest that you just go to a landlord tenant court hearing, sit in there um, and watch as the people are taken into mediation. Those who don't have an attorney who pretty much feel forced to sign something, even though in most cases, if you don't have anyone to negotiate for you, you sign an agreement that you can't financially keep. So that's a good thing. Um, that has come... It's been a long time in coming, but it's here. The other thing I guess that I would say is that good cause is a precursor to rent control. Good cause can work if people allow it. And I think if we can get a decent bill passed um, as they begin to compile records, and that's one of the pieces that's built into the bill, 
that after a year, um, Fair Housing will go back and look over all the records of um, people who received good cause protections as a result of that bill. Um, that information, I believe, will, will make an, the idea of rent control uh, more palatable to other folks in the city and even to landlords um, who will be guaranteed to get their rate, their rent on time. And if, and if someone breaks one of the five because reasons for not paying your rent or not being a good tenant, then they don't have to stay. But it's just that we need to have a process so that people aren't just wholesale kicked out of their homes without a good reason because they don't have those protections. Yeah, and just uh, one thing I'll add is I think part of my vision is that you know, before the pand our group formed before the pandemic, there was already a housing crisis in Philadelphia, but it's reaching such a crisis 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 point that I think, you know, to this point, our, our coalition is mostly groups that focus on housing, um, not entirely, and then some other progressive groups. But I think, I think there are a lot of other organizations out there, like community organizations, as you were mentioning, that, you know, housing might not be like the reason the group exists or its primary focus, but it's becoming a bigger issue because it's a bigger issue for everybody. So I hope our coalition can expand and grow a lot this year with community groups who see a need for um, preventing displacement in their neighborhoods. Thank you both so much for joining me today. And thank you for just really clarifying a lot of issues. And thank you. We appreciate your work. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Once again, that was Michelle Crouch and Karen Harvey of the Philly Rent Control Coalition. And that was definitely an insightful conversation that provided great insight into sometimes the hidden tricks and loopholes of renting. And as a former NAT coordinator, I actually really appreciated them focusing on good cause because a lot of times I would be working with community members who were facing displacement, but they weren't aware of the good cause specifics. So kudos to them for this work, which is really very just important. And kudos to you, Maleka, for conducting this interview and getting this vital information for our people. Oh, thanks, Rashid. I'm looking forward to hearing your interview with Tamara, who's been doing pop-up shops and porch sales in Germantown for quite some time now. I'm excited to know more about what a physical location will do for her and Black Soul Vintage here in Germantown. Yes, and I was really excited to interview her as well because I know how hard she works and how much value a space like hers can add to our already rich and culturally diverse neighborhood. And I will not keep you or our listeners waiting. So with said, let's play the clip. So it's really just good to have you today, Tamara. Um, so for our listeners who aren't aware, tell them what Black Soul Vintage is. So Black Soul Vintage is a secondhand marketplace that intends to uplift and amplify African descendant culture um, across the diaspora. I specialize in books, buying about Black folks, but we have a little bit of everything uh, from home goods, ephemera, clothing, um, home goods, I try to touch on a little bit of everything so that I have something for everybody. Um, and I like to kind of span across different genres, timelines, because our culture is 
our culture is the beginning and the end, right? I feel like blackness is 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 the beginning of all things. So something from 1975 is just as relevant to me as something from my own childhood from 1995. So I try to have a little bit of everything mixed in. That kind of reminds me of the saying, and I'm sure you, I'm not sure if you met him, but Steven Taylor, his Ubuntu um, art gallery, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we are because, I mean, we are because you are and things of that nature. That's kind of how that makes me feel sometimes when I think about um, ancestral relevance and things of that nature. Um, so that's good stuff. So you spoke about books are your specialty. Is there a reason why books are your specialty? So I, I started with just books. Um, I, I have been collecting, I've been collecting black culture um, and ephemera for a really long time. And then people would come to my house and be like, oh my God, like you should sell this stuff. And I, I had never really seen black people represented in the thrift or vintage space. Um, so I was like, okay, I want to do this. And then I had come in contact with black market vintage through Etsy. I started shopping with them in the beginning. They used to be on Etsy. Um, and they even dropped something off to my house personally. This was really in the beginning of them starting out. Wow. Uh, just seeing them start that store, I was like, wow, oh, wow, we are in this space. Um, so again, representation is so important because sometimes you don't, you might be doing the thing, but you don't know how to step into another space with it until you see somebody else do it. So seeing them with their store, I was like, wow, I could do this. I'm, I'm collecting. But they were doing a little bit of um, more ephemera based, not necessarily like literature. And I felt like, well, what is a niche that I could get into that I'm really passionate about? And books is something I was really passionate about. I love learning. Um, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be an Egyptologist. So <laughs> little Tamar was always interested in history. I always loved books. I used to write and buy my own books as a little girl. Um, so I was like, books are so important. And that is the key to knowledge. And I feel like knowledge itself is freedom. Um, I went to a workshop one time and a woman who's now my friend, her name is Maika. She asked the crowd, uh, how do we get free? She was like, we talking all this about this and that in the community and what we about to do, but how do we really get free? And that question really had me thinking like, damn, how do, how do we really get free? All these programs and this and that and a third, and that's not really... The key, right? We've been doing it for generations and it still seemed like we're held back in all these different ways. And I was like, knowledge, knowledge itself, knowing where you come from. So you have an idea of where you're going. That's the real freedom because you can be in any situation. Um, but I feel like if you can get a hold to a book that resonates with you, that touches you, that can really transform your life. Um, and my life had been transformed through books, uh, specifically through Toni Morrison, because that was the first black author that I have really got exposed to in school. Um, and I went, I'm from Ohio as a, as a backdrop. I'm not from Philadelphia. I was born and raised in Northeast Ohio, um, a predominantly white state for many, many historical reasons, which I can touch on if you're interested. Um, and I grew up in majority white schools and they weren't interested in sharing anything about <laughs> black history, <laughs> black culture on any real deep level. Um, but in middle school, I had a teacher who introduced me to Toni Morrison. So that really radicalized uh, my thinking. We love time. a good Toni Morrison book. My Sula is my favorite Toni Morrison book. Oh, I love Sula. I love What's your the, favorite? The, the Bluest Eye. That's my, ah! my favorite. I love The Bluest Eye. The That's Bluest Eye is that girl. Like, she's That's really that girl. 
Louis I and Jazz. A lot of people don't be saying Jazz as their favorite Toni Morrison, but I really, I can, I really felt like I connected with the characters in a, in a, a strange way. So I really, really. Like Child, we're gonna have to get a Toni Morrison reading circle here for okay. Town together, okay? Because I've never read Jazz, so maybe you can guide the girls, okay? Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm like Jazz is something I picked up three times and put it down. I was like, I don't want to read this. <laughs> like you start reading, you like, I don't want to read this. And then one day I finally was like, I really was like, read this. And I, I ended up loving it so much. And I think that's the that's the significance behind Toni Morrison in general. Not to get off track, but that's the significance behind mm-hmm. Toni Morrison is she puts a lot of like realism into her stuff. And a people, she was writing about stuff in conversations that people weren't ready to have in her time. And so <laughs> even still reading it now is like, wow, like the stuff that she wrote back in 70s, 80s, literally holds so much relevance to literally 2022. So seeing those full circle moments and just like reading her stuff and like realizing how much they connect to everyday life right now is just like, wow, like my sister's been talking about this stuff. Like the answers have already been there. Like we have Tony Morrison, we have Audre Lorde, we have Bell Hooks. Like the girls have been in charge. They've been telling us what the game was. I love that. And she's from Ohio as well, so... There's that connection. Um, and she was unafraid to put blackness at the center. And that's how I wanted black soul to be. I wanted blackness to be at the center in a way that I felt I didn't see in other places. And I felt that through books, people have that opportunity to see themselves. Um, and I think a lot of the failings that we see in education and this, that, and the third is because we don't see ourselves in the larger picture. We don't see ourselves in the history. We don't see ourselves in the larger culture as a really important part when we we are everything about it and without us there's nothing so when we start to understand that and learn that I think it transforms people so that's really why books were at the center for me that's really strong words and strong thought process I appreciate that um so here you are now and you're looking to move into a physical location right here in Germantown so where are you looking to move for folks who don't know so we have, I signed a lease in faith last month at 90 Church Lane. Um, if you're familiar with Ventadelphia, we'll be in the same building as Ventadelphia. Um, we're about a block and a half behind Uncle Bobby's. Um, so we're, we're in the area. We're in the space where a lot of uh, newer, younger businesses are starting to pop up in Germantown. So I'm excited to be in that area. That's on the corner right across from like the Hamel Mill part, the old Hamel Mill apartments, yep. right? Yep. So, oh, so yeah. So you're right next to the um community fridge too. Yeah, I'm right next to the community fridge. Hey, community. that's a really good location. Yeah, we're right in there. Um, and I only live like two or three blocks from over there. So we all, we all in the community. I've been in the Germantown area now, uh, I guess going on uh, four or five years we've been in Germantown. Um, we were in West Philly before. My partner is um, from Germantown. Um, and I've been in the Philadelphia area for over 10 years now. So I joke with people that I'm a real Philadelphia now. I've been here. I've been Listen, here for <laughs> The people who get it, get it. And the people who don't, right. know. Once you get here and you can't leave, you're, you're a Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> So you set up a GoFundMe to help just raise some funds for this. So how much are you raising and what will that cover? Yes. So we are doing a fundraiser right now. We are hoping to raise $10,000. 
Um, this will go towards the commercial lease. I would really love to pay the lease out for the year so that we are stable. We know we're gonna be there. We're here to prove that this is a really worthwhile establishment, something that the community needs. Um, I want this to be a space where you can not only shop, but come and learn, have community events, um, talks, things like that. So we can have those conversations and have those book clubs and conversation clubs and writing clubs. I want all of those cultural things to be happening in the space. So a large chunk of that is going towards paying off the lease for the year so that we can be stable. Um, another portion of that is going towards renovation of the space. Um, the owner of the building was gracious enough to strike a deal with us about renovating and giving us a lot of creative control because the space does need a lot of work. It had been sitting empty for a really long time. Um, so we need a little bit of everything. We need a new ceiling, we need floors. Um, we need to renovate the bathroom. We need to paint the entire place. Um, there's a lot of those things that need to be done. And then finally moving the inventory from my tiny two bedroom house in Germantown over to the space and setting it up. So I do have literally hundreds of records, books, uh, ephemera, art, um, a little bit of literally everything, home goods. I have furniture. A lot of people don't know that I sell furniture as well. Um, and other sites outside of Black Soul, because it's a little, I can't ship it. So I don't even like to offer it <laughs> on Black Soul. Like so if you know, you know, you know that we'd be on Facebook with it selling the furniture as well. So I have quite a bit to be moved into this space. So that'll help cover us moving over there um, safely with all of the things. Yeah, because I was going to say people, if, if people who are listening aren't aware let me say something. Black Soul Vintage, when they do a pop-up shop, honey, it's a pop-up shop. It's a yeah. whole shop. I've seen <laughs> the amounts of stuff that you bring from your home. Even in Vernon Park, the few times I've seen you set up in Vernon Park, I'm like, child, she done brought her whole home over here and set up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People be like, oh my God, I didn't know you had this. I know last summer we did quite a few pop-ups on the porch. It's just a porch still. Um, and I have everything. You come up there, it's tables, it's shelves, it's books, it's dolls, it's uh, framed artwork, clothing. Um, we have black culture t-shirts as well as just straight up vintage things that I love that are my style. Um, I originally wanted to work in the fashion industry. That's what, what I went to school for. Um, so I am really passionate about fashion and style and aesthetics. So we do have some uh, just straight up vintage clothes as well. So we do we do pull through with a, with a whole lot of stuff. And it goes back to overall, you said earlier that you put knowledge at the basis of it and Blackness at the center of it, right? And artifacts are still knowledge, whether or not, you know, clothing, yeah. artifacts, all of that is still knowledge because I've saw so much stuff at your pop-up shops and I've been like, oh, wow, like it's made me go and look up other things. Like when you see like certain figures on shirts, like if you can gauge somebody's interest in something, then that can like inspire them to go look up something as well. And that's happened to me, not just with your stuff, but with other people's stuff as well, right? And so it's important. And so either way, and also your fashion background shows just to, you know, gas you up a little bit because okay. it's showing. <laughs> okay, snap, snap for you. Yes, and it's a lifestyle. I, I think Black Soul is a lifestyle. So if you ever had the opportunity to come to our home, you can see that we live what we do. Um, 
I like, I want to show up and you'd be like, oh, I could tell that's what you did. That's what, that's what I really, really hope for everything. Like, okay, I can tell. Um, Afrocentrism to me is a look. Um, it's not necessarily a specific look, but it's a vibration that you put into what you're wearing. It's a vibration of what you put into your home. It's a vibration to what you read and what you research and what you dive into. Uh, so Black Soul really hopes to encompass all of that. That's amazing. That really is amazing. And so this is just more of a fun question. So I know that you come across a lot of interesting artifacts. And I know because I've seen them again. And this may not be interesting to some folks, but for folks of the culture like myself, I was willing to put it all on the line for that little Kim Not Tonight final child that I saw. But sadly, someone snatched it away and snatched away my dreams. But I want to just ask, what was your favorite find amongst all of the stuff that you've collected? If you have a favorite find, I, I, I'll say, what is that's one of your favorite hard. finds? That's hard. Um, dang, that's really hard. I would say one of my favorite recent finds, I'll say recent, because I, I don't think I could ever be like- I'll take oh, that. I'll probably forget. <laughs> oh, I forgot, remember when we found it? Um, my, my, my wonderful, gracious partner, um, was out thrifting and he sent me pictures of these frames i'm like what is this? i couldn't really see like he tried to take a good picture and it, it was like i'm like what is that he was like it's art and i was like okay just just bring it home it was two of the most beautiful stained glass portraits of a black woman with a tear coming down her face i think i posted them to black soul a minute ago um they're not for sale. I, I thought of selling them and I put a price tag on it that would be like, you gotta really want, <laughs> want these to take them away from me. Um, the artist is unknown um, based on the condition of the frames. I, I assume that they were from the late 1960s, early 1970s. Um, they're just beautiful, beautiful portraits. Um, I would say those are probably my absolute favorite things that I've ever found. Um, in doing this work because they're just so beautiful and so unique. I love that. And so is there anything else that you just want to share with us, the community? Um, I would share that uh, Black Soul is, is something that I've really poured my heart and soul into for the past about four years. Um, I've fully supported Black Soul with my own uh, savings this entire time. So this is all me. Uh, doing this if by supporting Black Soul, you're supporting a Black woman. Um, you are supporting someone who loves Philadelphia, who loves Germantown, and who loves Black folks and really, really wants us to have a space that's our own. Um, and it's for everybody. Black Soul is everybody. Black is a feeling, you know, Black is a mindset. And uh, to our non-Black folks, don't be afraid to step in and respectfully learn about the culture. Because um, I know sometimes white people come up to the table, they're like, I don't know if I want it. It's all about respect and um, showing genuine interest and in wanting to learn on your own time and not asking for our labor, but doing that work yourself. Um, so everybody is definitely welcome to come into the space and support. And we really, really do appreciate you. Um, and Black Soul is something that I really want to see grow and and become more and more and more of what a uh, spirit wants it to be. Yes. Yep. Nothing, nothing left there, right? 
Um, so just let listeners just know how they can support you in Black Soul Vintage and the crusade for your new physical location. Yes, if you want to support Black Soul and support the store that's going to be at 90 Church Lane, um, you can support us through our GoFundMe. The link is located on our Instagram at Black Soul Vintage on Instagram in our bio. So you can support through the GoFundMe, making donations there. I also included in the link on our Instagram at Black Soul Vintage, a link to Cash App. So if you want to give love offerings there, you are more than welcome to do that. If you don't necessarily have access to um, the tools that GoFundMe needs for you to support. So if you have a Cash App, you can support us there. Um, You can also support us by shopping uh, on BlackSoulVintage.com. We are uh, uploading things there. And you can also check us out literally this weekend on Sunday, we will be at Modern Republic popping up there from 11 to five o'clock. And that is at 1600 Girard Avenue in North Philly, uh, down North. If you wanna come around there this weekend, you're welcome. Well, thank you for speaking with me in the Info Hub tomorrow. And we are really just looking forward to seeing what soul and magic that Black Soul Vintage is gonna bring to the neighborhood. Um, will continue to bring to the neighborhood and we hope to connect with you again soon in the future so just take it easy okay awesome thank you so much thank you once again that was tamara sankara kilumbo speaking about her call for support to bring black soul vintage a new physical home and now it's time for a reporter roundup with rashid where they will share happenings around and of interest to germantown Thank you so much for that, Maleka. First up on our reporter roundup is an event happening this Sunday at the People's Lot, right in back of Uncle Bobby's on Church Lane. Treehouse Books and Archive will be collaborating to facilitate a book exchange amongst the neighbors. The event will begin at 2 p.m. and it will end at 5 p.m. There is no charge for this event, but you are encouraged to bring at most five books and you can leave with whatever you want. There will be good music and you will have a chance to connect with other good neighbors of Germantown. I encourage folks to spring into some books this season and soak up the good weather while it lasts. And next up, the PHS Tree Tenders and Philly Office Retail are looking for volunteers and new members to help form the Wayne Junction Tree Tenders Group, where folks can learn how to plant a new tree and gain access to free street trees. The first meeting will occur on Wednesday, March 30th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. at Jumpstart Germantown, which is at 4701 Germantown Avenue on the first floor. There will be refreshments served and you can RSVP by email at M-A-E-V-E at phillyofficeretail.com. And you can learn more about that by visiting www.treetenders.org. And relating back to books, the Joseph E. Coleman Regional Library is hosting a series of baby story time in the park sessions for young children, which will happen at 1030 in Vernon Park. Otherwise, they will occur inside the library. You can check their Facebook page to see if they moved. Story time will begin at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays. And lastly, the Streets Department is celebrating 15 years of community cleaning partnerships and hosting their annual Philadelphia Spring Cleanup on Saturday, April 2nd, 2022, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. 
The Streets Department's signature event has served as the city's largest cleanup event, taking place citywide in a single day. Residents can register a project, including park and neighborhood cleanups, or register as a volunteer for an existing project at phillyspringcleanup.com. When you sign up to host an event, you will be able to request supplies like brooms, bags, gloves, and more. For those who are looking to join a project, there are various events happening around the 19138 and 19144 areas like Chew and Shelton, East Worcester Street, Knox and Hansberry, Newhall Street, and many, many more. But remember, you must first register at phillyspringcleanup.com. And for those who want to register for their own project, that deadline is tomorrow, March 18th. And that is our reporter roundup for this week. And if you have something interesting or of use to our neighbors, you can always feel free to send them my way at Rashid at resolvephilly.org. And well, Germantown, it is about that time. If you have a story that you want to hear covered, please contact us at gtown.infohub at gmail.com. Or you can also text infohub, all one word, to 73224 to start asking us some questions. And additionally, we encourage our listeners to text the Equally Informed Text Line, another program under Resolve Philly, which allows Philadelphians to gain access to information regarding Philadelphia services. Equally Informed Philly is a direct response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and their team works hard to bridge the information divide reducing barriers for vulnerable residents who need trustworthy information to live and thrive in Philadelphia. They also invest deeply in underestimated voices and community storytellers. Equally Informed provides a community-driven print newsletter and the Equal Info Line, a free bilingual English and Spanish question and answer texting service that also provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. To start asking questions, text Equal info to 73224. Yes, yes, yes. And that is about it. Remember, I am Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom John. And I'm Maleka Fruin. Thank you to our guests for joining us today. Thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging as always. And until next week, good night, Germantown.